has all the knowledge you want. Malik books has all the knowledge you need. Malik books. Yeah, they have all the books that the whole wide world wanna read. Malik books. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Malik's Bookshelf, bringing a world together with books, culture, and community. Hi, my name is Malik, your host of Malik's Bookshelf. Now, I hope you enjoyed that last segment that was put on by the Lamert Park Village Book Fair with Eric LaSalle. So that was the last episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Because the event was electric, it was fire, the community came out. But hey, that was just part one. See, we had another heavy hitter that came out at the Lemur Park Village Book Fair, and that is Omar Epps. And you know, Omar is an award winning director, he's an actor, he's a writer, he's, you know, he's been in the industry for a long time. I mean, we all know him in love and basketball. We all know that he played on this show. Um, it was a medical show. I'm just like trying to remember off the top of my head, but it was a hit, and it was a um, a, a really smart doctor that um, I just can't remember now. So let's move it on. Anyway, he played on that, and you know that was a long running uh, miniseries on television, and uh, other. Uh, he, he, Omar and worked on a lot of different projects. I don't need any further introduction. The brother, is, you know, it has a lot of swag. He came in with his family. He interviewed, um, he took an interview, that is, with uh, uh, the Baldwin Hills Elementary, which I'm going to feature that on this episode because these are up-and-coming journalists, and they starting in elementary, and they came in with their equipment and their questions, and they were able to interview Omar inside of Malik Books in the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall. It was really spectacular when we see our youth, which is, like I said, you know, at Malik, our slogan is children are 100% our future. So to see these up-and-coming journalists, you know, new journalists in the future, it was amazing. So he inter- he got interviewed f- with by them. They also interviewed me. So I'm going to feature that entire interview of uh, Malik and Omar from some high, some elementary kids from Baldwin Hills Elementary. Kudos to them. But I'm also going to feature the conversation Omar Epps had with Erica J. Kendrick, who wrote the book Cookie Monster. She's our moderator. And so that was an electric conversation, a fiery conversation, an engaging conversation, a heartfelt conversation at the Writer Symposium this year. And so she's going to do the moder- moderation and conversation um, with Omar Epps. So stay tuned for that on this episode. Um, I-, I was filming it and as well as recording it. I featured it on Instagram, so I had to end it. My battery ran low, but I got some of the great content from the conversation. So stay tuned for that. And also, I was able to ask Omar Epps personally a question, and I'm going to feature that on this episode. So stay tuned. Enjoy, because this is the Lamert Park Village Book Fair that was hosted by Lamert Park and Malik Books at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza Mall. And it was just a very engaging and community event that uplift the spirit of writing. As you all know, the two books, and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier because I'm just talking right now. I don't know if I mentioned, look, the two books that Omar Epps wrote is called Nubia, The Awakening. That's the first one. 
The second edition just came out called Nubia, The Reckoning. So Omar's going to talk about, you know, the process of how he came up with this idea and the concept of Nubia. And he's going to go in deep about the character and what you can expect from reading such a fantasy and adventurous type book. So I'm going to let him do the talking. I don't need to do the book review. When I interview, when I get interviews of people talking about their books, that's like a book review. They could do it better than I could do it, right? So I'm just going to let the conversation with Erica J moderating Omar Epps speak for itself. So enjoy this next episode. I appreciate the artist for your consistency. And I think this is like 87th, you know, that's amazing in itself. But stay tuned and enjoy this episode of Omar Epps in conversation at the Lamert Park Village Book Fair 2023, hosted by Malik Books. Okay, our moderator for this event is Erica Kendrick. So she asked Omar the first question was, tell the audience about Nubia. And that's the fantasy book that he created. Uh, Nubia Awakening, Nubia Reckoning. So that's the first question. And then from there, the conversation flowed. And Erica Kendrick will continue to moderate this segment in conversation with Omar Epps. Uh, great question. So, uh, Nubia is uh, basically it's a coming of age story that follows uh, three displaced teenagers who, as they become adolescents, they have magical powers that start to sprout that are directly connected to their lineage, but they haven't been told that um, from their their parents and their families because. Nubia, the place is an is an island nation that was once a utopia, and their ancestors had to flee there, so they thought the powers were destroyed along with the island. Um, and so these kids find themselves in what I'm calling New New York, uh, trying to figure it out, figure out what's going on. And so the reckoning, so that's the basis of it, and the awakening is obvious. Their powers are awakening. The reckoning is. Picking up from there, now the kids have an idea of, you know, who's able to do what, and then the question is, what are they going to do now with these newfound powers, um, and how do they protect their tribe of Nubians, uh, you know, from the perils that, that the world presents? That's a great explanation. Um, I've heard a couple of people whispering that it's very similar what reminds them of or it takes them back to Black Panther. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Because clearly that was a juggernaut. And we'll get to like the vision that you have for the saga because it's amazing. Uh, but what do you think when folks compare it or, uh, you know, put it next to the, the high seat of something like a, a Black Panther? I love it because, I mean, one, as a compliment. Uh, two, there's room for all of it. But three, for me, you know, I actually originally had the idea for this about 20 years ago. It just took me this long to activate and actually do it and sit down and write, which is really hard to do. <laughs> and I never wrote a book before either, uh, which is why I'm so fortunate to have my co-pilot, Clarence A. Haynes, who's an incredible writer, 
Um, so it's it you know it the story wasn't informed by anything of Black Panther, but you know I, you know it, it, it all looks the same to them, but it's very different. Once you get into the book, you're gonna be like, this ain't nothing like Black Panther. Why are they talking about? You can't have two black offers. <laughs> the black box is checked now. <laughs> No, that's how they do, but we're going to keep it moving. Um, okay, so the topic of this today for your session is supposed to be about capturing the imaginations of the young adult reader um, or the young adult writer. So how do you want your YA readers to be inspired by or to be kind of captivated by uh, the reckoning? Um, that's a great question. The in essence, I, I wrote a book that I wish existed when I was 14, 15, um, 16. Those, those pivotal years where, you know, escapism is good sometimes because it can ignite your imagination and it can give you um, the wherewithal to work through current circumstances. So all of the parallels to the now were intentional. So the, the story takes place 100 years from now but there are a lot of parallels that I'm finding pleasantly that a lot of young readers are, are like, wow, I kind of feel like I relate to this character and what they're going through and so forth and so on. Um, and I really want them to take away, I want all readers, but especially the young readers to take away the notion of unity. Um, it's supremely important to us because no matter what we accomplish individually, we can't move forward as a collective if we're not unified. And that, that, that's one of the main themes in the book, as the Nubians find themselves, you know, tribalism, but then there's inner tribalism, but at the end of the day, they all have to come together in order to progress the Nubians forward. Yeah, go ahead and clap for that. And I will say that that was very artfully done. And the, the writing is beautiful. Thank you. When she was, um, doing the, the briefing of what the book is about, one of the, the adjectives she used was fast paced. And it is. Um, I got the book this week and I looked up and I was already on page 70. So those of y'all that, and there are a lot of us these days, especially with social media and the internet, you know, we don't want to sit down and actually open a book because sitting still is like, I, I don't even remember the last time I did that. But take my word for it. You will look up and be like, I'm like four or five chapters in. It's That's worth it. Um, okay, so you make a point to dig deeply into the human experience, and you like to say it transcends time. Because yes, this takes place uh, in a dystopian uh, space 100 years from now in the year 2098. So that's like, whoa, already. But a lot of the things like you just mentioned are relevant to today's time. So first and foremost, I wanna know, what inspired that journey? Because that's huge. I mean, I can't, I can't think about what I'm gonna be doing next week, much less 100 years from now. What was that inspiration? What inspired me um, there was, I'm, I consider myself a history buff, and the more and more that I study ancient culture, the further back I go, the more parallels I see. And when you take off the coding of the isms, right? Classism, racism, sexism, all of those things. You just see humans doing what you, humans humaning. <laughs> you know, always dealing with the few, trying to control the many. Um, you know, we have these, these, 
I guess the, the quality of our species seems to transcend time. So for me, imagining a world 100 years from now where all of these uh, uh, environmental cataclysms that we're in fear about have already taken place, there's still gonna be people here after that. But, so what are they dealing with? What's that young generation dealing with? And, and you know, what will sort of skip the boundaries of time that they're presented with, but, you know, different set of circumstances, but kind of the same set of problems. Um, so it, it just came naturally, that part. Okay, so in terms of building the world, what inspired you creatively to do this stunning, stunningly visual job? I mean, it was like, so it also is, like he said, New York. It's literally also supposed to be New York. Like, you know, our man is from Brooklyn, so he paid homage to his hometown. But, I mean, I lived in New York for 11 years, and I was like, this still feels like what it's like now. But it was not. It was, I mean, the words, the descriptors, gorgeous. And some of it is like... Okay, we're talking about seawall has been torn down, and this is the ravaged Lower East Side, and this is the the Sky High City, and it's gorgeous, and technology has taken over. Okay, y'all feel me? Y'all better get into this, okay? <laughs> How did you like get inspired to create something so visually stunning? And, and we get that you're an artist, but I mean, this was next level. Thank you. Um, that was just a lot of. Uh, I, I wanted every particle of air to have a reason, you know, in, in telling stories, designing plots and characters, you know, a lot of times it's just like, yeah, and then they just had on some Adidas. For me, I'm like, why? It's kind of how I've approached, I've approached my career as an actor. I'm very, very detailed. It, it can be no wasted space. Everything, every motion has a purpose. So with the book, with that in mind, that's sort of how I attacked, well, what does the world look like? I picked New York because I'm born and raised there. You know, if I was born and raised here, it would have been here because that's one place on this earth I know like the back of my hand, you know? So in sort of redesigning the geography of New York, it just came second nature. Well, of course, you know, there's gonna be water here, so that's all in the water. Up high is where humans have fused with technology, where the rich people are. That's the Beverly Hills of New York, you know, in the book. Um, and just reimagining the, the actual geography and, and giving it reason and purpose so that as, you're, as the reader is reading it, it feels like they're watching it. You know, even though it's just words on the paper, it's something that is so, um, hopefully, the words is, are, are so visceral that you can literally see it. Okay, that means smart. Visceral. Y'all heard that? <laughs> Visceral. And I will tell you, it is. Now, for those of y'all that are like, well, I'm an L.A. girl, or, you know, I'm from Detroit. Well, I'm a Chicago girl. Even though, like I just said, I, I lived in New York City. You don't have to have ever even have visited. So, like, right away, he gives you a map. Like, a map for reference. Who does that? Like, what do you do that is? I ain't do that in none of my books. I was like, if y'all don't know Santa Monica again, uh, or where. Like, that because sometimes we feel like oh well I won't be able to relate to it because of this reason or that reason definitely not were there any contemporary issues or any global issues happening or like I know you're a history buff so you you research the hell out of like the human story but like 
contemporary things happening um, on a domestic or global level that impacted your pen when you were crafting this story? Um, I don't know if it impacted it, but we basically wrote the first book in the lockdown and COVID. Like we, we had been having discussions, I was meeting with the publishers, okay, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> stay in the house. And my co-writer was, was stuck in Germany at the time. So that's how we wrote the first book, okay. you know? There was a lot of uh, me calling him, I don't know what, the, I was in New York. I know it was three in the morning for him, and he was like, can you wait a couple hours? And I'm like, no, got this great idea, what do you think about this? So we just, you know, we had the time to really sit down and, and, and get it out, but it didn't, that didn't, I think if anything, that inspired us in terms of where we were going in relation to the climate change thing, because that's a big um, backdrop of the book, because again, the geography is so, like, um, obviously affected. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, life is gonna life, so every day there's something. I think in order for the story to transcend, we had to stick to our guns of, of what we thought was the right narrative to tell. Because I was reading and I was like, what has this man been through to put this on the page? Like, some of it is like, it's hardcore, but it's still delicious and beautiful, and that's very difficult to attain, so kudos there. Um, okay. Uh, young adult literature, it often explores important things. And this book, like we already mentioned, explores classism, elitism, racism, sexism, all the isms, even immigration. Uh, how do you navigate the societal isms in the story? Um, and then the follow-up to that is like, what message do you want young readers to take as it relates to all of the isms that you pointed out are clearly still very relevant today and they were a hundred years ago and probably will be in another hundred. Hopefully not. Well, hopefully they'll change. Um, we just attacked them from a, an organic standpoint in, in the book. I always feel like stories tell themselves and all you have to do is listen and be a conduit and, and let it come out. So the idea is like, if you could think in your head that every character in the book represents a human emotion, and that's sort of their personality. That's the simple way to look at it. And so how would that person be if they are empath or if they're aggressive or you know, whatever that human emotion is, that's how that individual would deal with that ism. And then the, the, I guess the challenge is, okay, giving them an obstacle to attain whatever that goal is. You know, the person who wants to overcome fear, well, how do we do that in the book? Um, and. and and so that hopefully it's a, it's a journey, right? And hopefully everyone finds a character that they can uh, live through vicariously and sort of a, is a representative of them. And now they're rooting for that character in the book. And again, ultimately, how do all of these characters come together as a unified force? Um, who was your favorite character to write? For me, it was, um, it was a character named Uzochi who um, he represents love, but he doesn't know that. And he's an awkward, you know, being a teenager is awkward. Like real awkward. Is it? Oh yeah. It was for me. You know your teeth all too big, and you start growing your ears big. And, you know, you like, dude, like my son now, he's 15, he's like taller than me. He's like, hey, what's up, dad? His voice is changing. I'm like, look at you, doof. <laughs> Cute kid, but it's an awkward time because you, 
you don't, you're confident in like certain things and then you, it, the world just seems so big. So it, it was really, it was important to me to tell the story from that mindset. Cause the beautiful thing about that young mindset is like they're just sponges. They're just soaking up all the information. It's like, and they also, most young kids are still fearless. They haven't been tainted by experience yet. So they really, and that to me is inspiring because life starts kicking all of us in the button and we just like, all right, let me just press the button and get the day over with. And they still have that, you know, they're still invigorated by life. And I think that we should all find that in ourselves, find those things that help us remain childlike, not childish. There's a difference, you know? And so that's why it was important to me to tell the story from that mindset so that the young reader could take what they take and remix it and put it into their actual lives and, and, and hopefully, you know, be better for it. Woo! Okay, so my favorite character, Donna Cloud, Donna Cloud. Now, TV is a damn thing. Shout out to Clarence, you know, I feel that. Um, my favorite character was Barry, and I related to her. So when you say you get behind a character and you champion that character as they go through their obstacles and develop and grow and evolve, I was like right there with her. Um, and I also like, okay, okay, let me slow down. Uh, why she don't you? Out, she's the warrior of, of the Nubians. And you know, she's a young female finding herself. Her father was a general in the Nubian army and she, she kick ass. Okay, so that's what I want you to do. I want you to, because I don't want to start talking about character without y'all having just a glimpse into, you know, what we're talking about. So, um, the four main characters, if you could just give a little bit of a backdrop. You don't have to tell as much as you want about them, but if you could introduce them. And Absolutely. So, I, I just mentioned Uzochi. And um, so, you have Uzochi, you have Lencho, they're cousins. And Lencho, though he's Nubian, he's sort of the... Let's think of it this way. Uzochi's more MLK, and Lencho's more Malcolm. Early Malcolm. Like Detroit Red Malcolm. Uh, <laughs> and then you have Zuberi, who's sort of the gray area in between. Um, she's also Nubian. And then there's another character named Sandra. And she's sort of a hybrid because she is actually the daughter of Crazen. Crazen is the bad guy. That's, he's the bad guy in the book. He's sort of the new president. Again, geographically it's all changed. So there's no more like boroughs in New York. It's just tri-state east, tri-state west. You know, he's trying to take over all of that. And Sandra is his daughter. And what you'll, well, I can't give too much away because I'm working on book three. But there's some things to discover about her in the, in the third book. I heard he's working on book three. So that is literally one of my questions. Uh, congratulations on that. That's huge. I don't know if y'all know, are there any aspiring writers in the room? Yes, okay, perfect. So it is really hard to write, as you know, if you're trying to do it or you're doing it. But to then have somebody stand behind your story, your craft, your artistry and say, I believe in this, and then take it to all of the mostly white folks to say, this is good enough, which is essentially what they do as they look for a reason to say no. I've been in this game a long time. That's what they're doing. They're not trying to find out if it fits on their roster. Sorry, this is just not a good fit for what we're looking for at the time. That's like the form letter you'll get back if they reject you. They're looking for a reason to say no. It is so incredibly hard. 
And it doesn't matter if you're a Hollywood heavyweight or if you're somebody who was a cheerleader for some team or if you're just coming out of grad school with your MFA and you're talented and you've got all these great ideas. So with that being said, he's working on his third novel, well, his fourth book, but his third, that's right, his third novel. Let's give him a round of applause for that. Huge, huge. Okay, so I feel like he's given us some really good tidbits about the book, and we've kind of learned about the four main characters. Um, so now my question to Omar the artist is, who would be on the soundtrack for Nubia the Reckoning? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good one right there. Well, my, my youngest daughter, definitely. Um, she's a singer-songwriter. Um, Go ahead. Yes, because she would be on there. I have to have my wife on there. I was just like, you know, wifey would be on there. But I, I would, you know, I kind of reverse engineer things. Um, so I'm more, meaning, like, I'm more open. I don't really, unless something is, like, bothering me and I can't unsee it, you know, I usually, I'm open and I'm, I love collaboration. You know what I mean? I find there's a lot of worth in that because, we can only see th things from our lens, and and again, like something has to be nagging me, bothering me. Now it has to be this person, you know. I can't unsee that. Otherwise, I'm just open, and then, you know, I'm, it's it, 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 the greatest stories of democracies. So the musical story to this would, would be no different. I mean, hopefully, the best of the best, whomever that may be, and that's discovered or undiscovered. I'm just more open to those possibilities, but. All of that is coming down the line with Nubia. Um, so going back to one of your first uh, comments about Black Panther, the same way people see that is how I see this. So film, television, animation, video game, the whole kit and caboodle. The big difference is this is ours, that's theirs. I mean, but that's Marvel IP. This is us IP. It's a difference. So he said ours and us. I just want to scoot a little closer. Can somebody get this picture? Like, I'm part of us and ours. This is going to be huge, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. Okay, y'all clap. Okay, thank you very much. Y'all my people. I love y'all. Okay, so I'm going to produce the album. So this is who I see on the album. All right. I saw, because you got to pay, you know, homage and love to New York City, obviously, for so many different reasons. But um, I see LL Cool J, I see most deaf though. I also see, and this is like so random, but I see Eric B and Rakim. Like I see, um, and she's getting so much slack right now. Ooh, but I see Lauren Hill. Like I see it, I heard it, and. Uh, Why'd she getting slack? Yeah, Okay, that ain't even it. Okay, first of all, I've been late for the last twenty years. You call the show. We show up an hour late with her. Okay, so you have to be very honest. Sometimes, just like your characters, we have to grow and evolve. And Lauren has, for whatever reason, right? I'm not even gonna speculate. People talk about all the reasons why for whatever reason has chosen 
not to step that part of the game up. People like me, so I'll be 50 years old next year. People like me grew up to her. Thank y'all, thank y'all, I love being black. People like me grew up to her, and I cannot stay up until one o'clock in the morning anymore. Right, so if you tell me the show started at eight, why am I talking about this woman? I'm wait, 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 no, 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 it's a good point. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I look at it from a slightly different lens. Okay, go ahead. Lauren's, Lauren's whatever her gripe, or if that's even the right word, right, right. whatever that is, is not with the people. It's not with no, the people no. who support her. No. It's with the institution of the business. Because the flip side to it is, this woman went diamond. And one out. She's one out. Yeah, but that's all you need. How many people gonna sell 10 million records in a whole career? And still be torn. So to still get treated on the business end as she's been treated this whole time would make anybody a little aggy, you know. Again, I'm not, not towards the people. So to me, I look at it like, well, yeah, if she got paid like she deserved to be paid, she'd be showing up on time. Not mad at it's the flip side. That's I'm just saying, I go night night at nine o'clock, and it's a part of the experience. She ain't even on stage yet. That's what I'm trying to say. Like after I done took my melatonin, and come on now, got like, the, like I just I can't do this. It's like on a family barbecue. Who shows up on time? The family barbecue. of our future and so my question is to Omar is because he wrote a book as a YA and he grew up without a father and I just want to know how is important how books like to target our young and our youth how important are books like that going forward because we have a lot of distractions our youth with telephones, video games, uh, you know, some read, but a whole lot don't. So how important is writing books for our young and our youth important? That's a, that's a great question. Um, salute to you, by the way, for being a stalwart of the community. And as they say, fighting a good fight. Um, I choose to look at it like this. Well, every generation is, is beset with new challenges, right? And so right now, one of the big challenges is attention. They're, they're, uh, our attention is, is, is being pulled in so many different places, but why, right? You know that old saying, the easiest place to hide information is in a book. So not only is our attention being pulled, but when I travel around this country, I'm seeing public libraries closed. A lot of them. Why? We already know the answer to that. So, with 
people like yourself, people like yourself or, or even myself, we have to just fight the battle where it is. And the kids that might not read as much as we did will want to. As they get a little bit older, just let a few more years pass. You're gonna have to read some form or something. Everything ain't on Google, right? <laughs> you know. And then they start having kids, and now it hits them in a whole different way. And not only do the, the they want their kids to read, they gotta go revisit some of that stuff that they may have missed. And that's fine because there will be a generation that comes that's bored. <laughs> Things are too accessible. We want to talk to each other again. <laughs> we want to go to a party and actually interact and not go to a party and everybody's on their phones. That'll happen in due time. But um, it's of the supreme importance. It, it, you know, for where we're at, we know what time it is. Because they control the information and the information that you really need is right in there. So we just got to keep pushing. We taught about black people establishing businesses for themselves, and our next story is about that. It sure is. This past weekend, they had the 16th annual Lamerck Park Village Book Fair in partnership with Malik Books. You know that's a black-owned bookstore, right? That's amazing. This is going to be a good story. Hi, my name is Naimu Mujiles with Soaring Sankofa News. I'm here live at the 16th annual Lamert Park Book Fair and partner with Malik Books. Immediately at this event, we saw Mr. Malik helping to host the book fair. We caught up with him for a quick interview. I'm live with Mr. Malik from Malik Books. So Mr. Malik, do you own the bookstore? I'm the founder and co-owner. What inspired you to open a bookstore with predominantly black books? I had a degree from USC, but I didn't have a knowledge yourself. You see, you gotta love yourself to be yourself. You gotta know yourself to do what you need to be successful. And so it's important in representation point. We need to grow up with pictures and books that look like us. And it wasn't a lot of books out there that taught me anything about myself. And so I opened a bookstore to make a difference in our community. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm a book active. I love what I do. And it's, I'm here for you because why? Children are 100% of our future. It is always great to see black people enjoying literacy and inspired to read books that we can relate to. Omar Epps shared some insight into his artistry as an author. I'm here today with actor and author Omar Epps. Known for films such as Higher Learning, most recently Fatal Affair, and my favorite, Love and Basketball. How are you doing today, Mr. Epps? I am doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you for asking. So your books are considered fantasy, but it also seems like realistic fiction because it touches some of the truth about the black community experience. Can you share why you decided to make a realistic fiction about the ups and downs of the black community? Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, well, initially, you know, I just had an idea that I, I was really interested in. I didn't know it was young adult sci-fi like I didn't I didn't know it was that so I just started exploring the idea um, from a natural perspective and as the characters in the story were speaking to me a lot of the parallels of the world we live in 
still existed 100 years from now because the book takes place 100 years from now. And so I got really um, inspired by not that per se, but inspired by the idea that then I could create something that could leave a breadcrumb trail that could translate to you right in this very now by reading a book like this. Where do you find the most enjoyment, in being an author or an actor? That's a great question. I find the most enjoyment in being an artist. Um, I think art is, it comes in all different forms and, and for me to be able to express whether it's through my own creations and words or through other uh, characters that I, that I portray. But art, whether it's um, film, television, uh, music, dance, fashion, art is the thing that transcends uh, cultural bonds such as language. How do you hope to impact your audience with this book series? I would like to impact um, audiences for, I mean, hundreds of years to come, hopefully. I, I hope that the Nubia series inspires a young generation um, with the notion of not just hope, but the, but the realization of unity, meaning that no matter where we go and what we do in life, we can't accomplish things unless we work together. Thank you for your time, Mr. Epps. This event was so worth it, and it is definitely necessary for adults and youth. You should check it out next year for the 17th Annual Book Fair. Back to you, Lillian Qualley. You know what's cool about that event? What? They focus on making books that show us, black people, books that show our history and show it in a positive light. This bookstore is right in our community, and we definitely need to support them. That's it for today. Make sure to tune in on every other Monday for school news, local news, and so much more. Thanks for watching Soaring Sankofa News at Baldwin Hills. Thanks for listening to Malik's Bookshelf, where topics on the shelf are books, culture, and community. Be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. Check out my Instagram at Malik Books. See you next time.